0: This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. It's your weekly blitz with Chris, keeping you in the game. Hey, are you ready to supercharge your auto repair business? This is Coach Chris Cotton from Autofix Auto Shop Coaching. The weekly blitz is where industry expertise and business innovation collide, getting your engines revved up for the week ahead. What's under the hood, you ask? Every episode is loaded with game-changing insights, up-to-the-minute industry updates, and practical tips to shift your business into high gear. We're talking about stuff you didn't even know you didn't know people. Big shout out to our awesome sponsor, Shop Marketing Pros. Are you looking to shift your shop's marketing from zero to hero? Trust us, you don't want to gamble your livelihood on amateur marketing moves. Go pro with Shop Marketing Pros, your ticket to top tier results. Find out how they can fuel your success at shopmarketingpros.com forward slash Chris. Hey everybody! I got Coach Brent here. Uh, this is going to be an interesting topic. It's something that's came up a couple of times with a couple of different uh, coaches, but we're going to talk about wishing on a star, I guess, and and hoping the star gets your business corrected, right? Brent, you want to, without giving up too many details, you want to talk about where this topic came from and and kind of what what charged it. Well, I think a lot of
1: my clients that I jump in with and we start coaching, they bring this up a lot. Man, I wish I could be more profitable. I wish I could have more efficiency. I wish I could. I wish I could. And I struggled with that years and years ago when I was starting my business. And then still every once in a while now I come to the realization that, that I have these wishes also. And, and I talk to coach Chris about them. And then we try to figure out a path to. Not just wish on these things, but to actually put a plan in place to resolve and get to the end of our
0: wish to make it come true. So the big problem we're having in in this one instance is there's a shop owner who contacted us. He wanted to change. You've been talking to him about it. we made some small changes and making changes on our schedule. We get that like we get that the shop owners have their own schedule. But still at the same time, things are not progressing. And now, right. the, now the shop owner is like, well, I just don't want to hold anybody accountable or I just don't want to push.
1: Right. Yeah. And that's the case. I mean, we can make all the recommendations that we want, but if the clients don't implement those changes or recommendations, they're not going to see the progress that we want them to see. Obviously, we want them to succeed. You know, I think they want to succeed, but sometimes they're apprehensive to make those changes. And if you string that out over five, six, seven months, you're not going to get any better. You just aren't.
0: Right. At that point, you're just going with the motion and just moving along. And of course, right. of course, if we can't get you results because you're not willing to move on, then that doesn't help us out. But really, the right. thing is, is we're here to hold you accountable and push you probably should have had Coach Mike on, but Coach Mike had the same situation. He had an absent shop owner that wasn't in the business. We came in, we made some changes, got him more profitable, made some changes on the management side of the business. And then because he didn't want to hold anybody accountable, he's like, you know, this is, I don't want to be the heavy. I don't want to be the, the mean person that holds anybody accountable. So it was like, I'm, I'm done. I can't take it anymore. And some people can't they can't be that person. And I know I know one of the things, like if we're talking about moving the needle and moving people forward, one of the things that people have issues with a lot of times is getting written processes and procedures down. And I know you're big on that. So can you talk to that a little bit about, you know, maybe the importance of them and then how to get that first one and then move from there? Right.
1: So what we're talking about here is standard operating procedures, SOPs. Every business should have these. And it is a daunting task to try to tackle these. And the thing that I would recommend is that you start with a small SOP, a standard operating procedure, like for your technicians or for your porter or whoever that you have in your business. You know, write a clocking out and clocking in procedure for your business. When you clock out for lunch, when you come back for lunch, you clock in. Those things that are just routine kind of functions at your shop procedures start with one of the easy ones. I have a client down in Texas. This guy is on fire to make his business better. He really is. And he kind of struggled with it when we first started talking about the SOPs. And then he wrote one and then he wrote another and they wrote another. And I, he kept sending them to me to look at them. And I was like, they look really good to me. And he was like, I think I need to fine tune them a little bit more, fine tune them a little bit more. I was like, great. That's what this is about. This is about allowing a new employee to walk in and you hand them that SOP. And if they followed it step by step, they could be able to complete the job. And I think that's great for
0: any business to have where we need to go with each repair that comes into the shop. The other thing is we have to watch out from a coaching standpoint is. Sometimes shop owners use that, I need to fine-tune as a procrastination step to never finish, right? And never implement it. That's correct. That's um, correct. So so we've got to watch out for that whenever we're doing that. And, right. And the shop that you're talking about has done really, really well. They're mm-hmm. talking talking about expanding into some other stuff. That's good. What do you think, or let me step back. So were those processes, were those... Did any of them have to do with like profit margins or was it procedures in their shop or which one do you think had the biggest impact? He
1: started with all with the procedures in his shop. He wanted to be able to have the, he's an owner operator. He's right. there every single day. And so he wanted to have the flexibility. He also has several other businesses, but he wanted to have the flexibility that if he left, he knew that his second-in-command would take over that procedure that he was doing. And that's how it kind of started. And so it was the trickle-down effect. We start with the top guy and what his processes are. And if he can't do it, then this is where this person steps in, and here's the guideline to do this. So here's our process.
0: Well, and thinking more about this shop as well, and I'll let you speak to it in just a minute, one of the issues we had when we started with this shop is the owner... Bought this shop, having no experience in the auto repair industry. right? And so everything he learned, he learned from the previous owner and the previous owner really wasn't doing things. I mean, he's doing them okay, but not up to our standard, right? Like how we would run our shop and how autofix would go. And so would you say his employees had a lot of bad habits, number one, and number two, how do you think that affected him in the beginning?
1: Yeah, I believe his employees did have some bad habits, but they were taught those bad habits right. from the previous owner. So it's, it's not that they were trying to do anything terrible or anything like that. They were just doing what they were told to do. And then when the current owner purchased the business, again, he learned from the previous owner because they were like, this is how we've always done it. And then once we started speaking to them and started coaching, Things changed dramatically as far as there were certain procedures that were just, there were procedures that were from like the 1970s that you would <laughs> do on vehicles and, uh, you know, like blowing out air filters. and Oh my of- gosh,
0: don't get me started. Like, <laughs> like I did an on-site visit on this one and, and had them do an oil service on mine and sat there and watched them in a day. And again, this is all learned behavior. This is what they knew. And, th- right. and so this is in like North, Central, East Texas dusty, dirty all the time. And people would come in and they'd pull out an air filter and they'd blow it out and be like, looks good to me and then stick it back in. And I about choked them when I when they were getting ready to do that <laughs> to mine. And I was like, no, just replace it, please. Like if it needs to be blown out, it probably needs to be replaced. But then they didn't even get to sell me one because they didn't have one on their shelf. They only stocked one at a time and they sold one earlier in the day. So we had Correct. to have that conversation too. So- now,
1: now I bet he sells more air filters than anybody in a fifty mile radius. And cabin air filters too. Oh yeah. Say. Yeah. Oh yeah. And they're they're just they're just killing it. He's like, I can't keep them in stock because they're just on fire with things like that. Now.
0: And again, it it's a process change. Now, I get that most shop owners think they're doing their customers a service by saving them money and blowing it out, but I really don't think that's your job as a shop owner. I think you should inspect it, recommend it, and then recommend and advise and then go from there. It's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, our job as shop owners, because I am a shop owner still, our job as shop owners is to provide the best service that we can for the customer while taking care of the vehicle, not just worried about the customer's pocketbook. At the end of the day, if something goes wrong with the vehicle, we want to be able to say, look, I'm sorry, we recommended that to you six months ago. And we're trying to take care of your vehicle. That's where I land with it. My technicians, they recommend anything that they find, nothing. We're not one of those facilities that tries to recommend things that you don't need. We're just recommending it. anything that we can physically take a picture of and show it to you that we need to do to your vehicle.
0: Right. And that's another one, a huge thing through the DVI process. Do you have any shops right now that are currently working on a process or procedure for the DVI? Like they, they weren't doing it and they're trying to implement it. And how's that going?
1: Yeah, I've got a shop in Kansas that started off with a minimal. They did have a DVI when we started, but it was very minimal. I have a, another shop that we're transitioning in Canada from handwritten inspections to DVIs. We haven't made it there yet. We're transitioning, so we're still working on it. Even when we got them to start doing just the handwritten inspections, that made a huge change in their business. They became more profitable, their sales went up. Things like that. And now once we get them on the digital ones, it's going to be even a bigger game changer.
0: And again, we're not rec- we, you know, we never recommend stuff that we don't believe in or whatever. This is stuff that needs to be changed. So that's huge. Just for your shop for a minute, do you want to tell everybody how you do your DVI? Like how many pictures, the process you have for the technicians and everything like that?
1: Yeah. So what we do is every vehicle, unless it's like a... or We live in Missouri and so we have these Missouri state inspections. So that's the only vehicles that don't get a DVI inspection at my shop. My technicians, they... Pull the vehicle in, say it's for an oil service or whatever. While it's on the ground, they start the DVI process. When they lift it up, then they do all the under hood inspection and all that stuff. And the whole time they're inputting these information into our, we have a 25 point inspection and they're entering all that information into our SMS system. And then at the end of it, with all their recommendations and all their pictures, We like to get at least six pictures on a vehicle, whether it be good or bad. Some vehicles just have, they're actually pretty good. They may not need anything that service because the customer did everything the last service. They put those down and then we present that to the customer. After the estimate is done by the service advisor, it gets presented to the customer. And I had a problem for a little bit on the number of pictures the guys were taking. And so I implemented a little bonus program. It's based on pictures and what comes of the pictures. It's kind of interesting. It makes a, a little bit of a competition, a friendly competition out of the <laughs> shop for the technicians.
0: No, that's really, really good. The other thing I will say is I think it's super important that we share the good pictures because we need to, we need to build value for the vehicle, for the customer's vehicle when we can. That way they don't think that every time they come in, it's like a $2,000 estimate. Like I want to do. worth the last trip. And then I want them to have two trips where we don't have any, we don't need to sell them anything else. And we can share that with them and be like, hey, your car looks great. Keep doing what you're doing. We don't see anything, any issues, especially with the longevity on vehicles now and everything that's going there.
1: And for the shops out there that are not doing DVIs right now, you're actually kind of doing a disservice to your customer. You are because there's a lot of these cars right now that if we're not looking at the oil quality how much oil that we're draining out of them, things like that. Some of these VVT motors, they're going to burn up. You should feel a little bit responsible for not telling the customer that, hey, maybe we need to change your oil service from 7,500 miles to 5,000 miles because this
0: engine is notorious for burning oil. And depending on what chemicals you use, maybe it needs a cleaner, maybe it needs something else, like not just Sometimes just oil doesn't do the trick.
1: Yeah, sometimes maybe we need to do a BG service on it. If you guys aren't selling some kind of product line like BG, I would encourage you to get into that.
0: And there's several other ones that are out there. And of course, if BG wants to send us some money and sponsor the podcast, maybe... We maybe, can say it more. May, we can say it more, right? <laughs> say it, right. Say it differently, <laughs> say it some other way. So no, that's for sure. We started in one direction and went another direction, but I want right. to talk about shop owners that are just not maybe they're scared, maybe it's fear, maybe they're afraid of change. I had a situation with a shop owner here recently where I thought we we're gonna have to burn the shop down, fire all the employees and rehire new. That's how bad it got. But really in the end, all the upper management of the shop made it to be way worse than it than it was. And that's usually a shop owner's what we think is whatever we think is going to be the nth degree, And usually it's probably half of that or less when it comes to what actually happens. So we can't let fear hold us back from implementing things and wanting to change. I mean, somebody's reached out to us, they want to change, they've hired us to help them change, and then they still don't change. I mean, do you have any more thoughts around that or?
1: Yeah, the only thing I can really think of is sometimes maybe those shop owners have additional distractions in their life that are causing that. And I get that. I've been at that place in my shop's career where it didn't seem like the shop was the most important thing. As they work through that process, I mean, if we can coach them along through that process, it's a great thing. Some people are just not ready for the change though. And if they're not, that's okay. It's It can go one of two ways. Either it's gonna change or it's not, but it's not gonna change if you don't do anything. I can tell you that a 100%.
0: Right. And that takes us back. You can't wish it into happening. Like you have to have some sort of an active part on your end. We just need to have that plan
1: out there and get it implemented. Many of you guys may know I own my own shop and Chris is my coach. And we talk like I'm his client at that point in time. And we're working on a exit strategy for me that we just barely started. But we're working on something that is several, several years down the road, but we started it right now. We may talk about it once every couple of months, but we're still working on it. So that's how you got to approach everything in your business. Even if it, there's some things that you can, you can change rapidly. You can get done quickly. And then there's some things that are going to take you a while to get done. So don't be scared of those just because they're a big kind of looming process. We still need to start on them. Baby steps with those and work our way through those.
0: And I will say like the, the two instances that come to mind, one shop owner, they had other businesses, so they weren't 100% reliant on the repair shop. But then you just gave us st- case study out of Texas where we've got shop owner who has several other businesses, but he is like fully on board moving this one forward and the kind of the other one that started it all. There are other things going on in life that may have distracted or may be distracting. But one thing I will tell you is if you're a shop owner and this is your sole method of income for your family and everything else, you kind of have to set those distractions aside and make sure that the business is at least on good footing so that it can take care of the things it needs to take care of while you're distracted.
1: The one thing I want to point out, too, is once you make those changes, then the distractions seem to kind of go away. Right. I have a shop in Kansas that is a very good shop, very good owner. And when we first met, he had some distractions, but it, it all kind of came back to the business. And once we made the changes in the business, then everything else kind of got better. His money woes and things like that that were... I, I'm not saying they did, but could have caused a, a little bit of friction at in his household or worry. Those went away because we started making money. Right. It definitely helps,
0: right? Like, you, like right. You, Once you make money, you can breathe and you can work on some of the other stuff, hire the people you need, have time to work on processes and procedures. So the one up north that we kind of were talking about or kind of started this, can you give it, us a for instance of like something that you've been trying to get that owner to do, but they just can't quite push it across the finish line.
1: This particular shop was, they don't have a very high car count number. And we were trying to build that up and try different marketing approaches, things like that. And for a lot of e-shop owners that don't know and don't know marketing, marketing can sometimes take quite a while to be effective. Especially if it hasn't been effective. Right. And so if you start marketing and you expect a change really quickly, really rapidly, it's probably not going to happen. There's little key things that you can do that will bring you quick things in like a email blitz or a text blitz can do stuff like that for you. But long-term marketing is not going to bring them in really quick. And so we were trying to bring his car count up and we recommended doing Several approaches, joining uh, certain community groups, certain networking groups, just basically going out and trying to sell your business to potential customers, you know, fleet customers, anything like that. And he did a little bit of it. I'm not going to say he didn't do any, but he did a little bit of it, but it wasn't what I would expect to gain any traction. right? He just may not be that person. That's out of his comfort zone. And I understand that also.
0: I mean, the big takeaway here, everybody, is if you want to make a change, you have to do, we'll help you with the plan. We'll help lay everything out. We'll help you track it. We'll help you measure it. We'll give you the tools and everything you need. But in the end, it's really up to you to buckle down and push it across the finish line and actually you know, want to work and improve your business. Do you have any closing thoughts or anything you want to you want to end on?
1: Yeah, I do. If you're a shop owner that's struggling or you feel like you are trying to figure out your path, first of all, we're here. Coach Chris is here. I'm here. Coach Mike is here. We're here to help you guys. Yeah, we have a lot of resources that we can help you with. Chris has a lot. We're at, what, 144 podcasts now, Chris? Yeah,
0: this is going to be number 141 when it comes out. Okay, something like that. So there's a lot of
1: podcasts out in the internet world that you can listen to. There's tons of articles on the internet. If you don't think you can afford a coach right now, which... I don't believe that's true for any shop. But if you feel like you can't, start with the podcast. Start with something. Start with trying to just make yourself a little bit better every day. And then when you think you can afford a coach, we're going to show you that when you join any kind of us, we can show you
0: where our value is and show you that and prove that to you. And one of the other things I wasn't, I don't know that I was going to share this publicly really or whatever. I just, when people... Reached out to us. I was going to share it with them, but one of the things we found is there's a lot of smaller shops that are struggling that maybe need some different options. So I've shared it with you guys. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have three different coaching tiers that we can actually start now in in November and December. But really, it was part of my when I sat down to try to plan out 2024. I wanted to have some options for everybody that way they could start small and then as they grow, they could grow with us and we can grow with them. So we should have something affordable for anybody. But the other thing is I feel pressure when I sign a new shop to crank some knobs and show them, you know, not only pay for ourselves, but pay for other things and get them more profitable and keep the needle moving.
1: Right. I do, too. As soon as I get a new client, I feel like I need to really turn up the volume. And sometimes they're not quite ready for a volume that we have. Right. You know, (laughs) so so it, it takes a minute. I just encourage you shop owners out there to do whatever it takes to make it work for you guys. And there's, I don't know how many millions of cars in this United States that we can work on. We
0: we got a lot. There's tons and tons. There's fewer bays now than ever. Some aren't coming back. It's it's kind of crazy. But anyway, right. thanks for taking time, coach. I know you're busy. I know it's Monday when we're doing this. So you probably got other things you need to do, but I appreciate your time and keep doing all the good work. I will tell you, Coach Brent got a wonderful testimony the other day. If you haven't seen it or read it on Facebook, you can go to autoshopcoaching.com and look under testimonials. I was expecting a smaller testimony from this other shop in Canada, and he wrote paragraphs. Like, it was amazing. It was really, really good. Thanks for taking care of our clients, Brent. I appreciate what you do. So have a good day, everybody. Thank you for having me on, Chris. All right, thanks. In the world of auto repair, success is not handed to you. You got to seize it. It's all about strategic decisions, effective management, and a thirst for knowledge. Our show, The Weekly Blitz, is your trusted resource every step of the way. A big shout out to our listeners. Your dedication to growth fuels our passion. And let's not forget our fantastic sponsor, Shop Marketing Pros, who make this show possible. They're all about top-tier marketing for shops just like yours. Until next time, I'm Coach Chris Cotton with Coach Brent signing off. Keep those gears running smoothly. Keep learning, keep growing. In this business, every day is a chance to get better. It's time to rise and grind. Here's to your ongoing success. Stay driven, everyone. You've been listening to The Weekly Blitz with Coach Chris Cotton on the aftermarketradionetwork.com. Follow Chris on your favorite podcast listening app. Let him know what you'd like him to cover. His email is in the show notes. Chris is all for advancing the aftermarket.